0: Don't know about you, but Carmen and I have been seeing and hearing the terms cryptocurrency, NFTs, and Web 3.0 over the past few months, and that it was something we should be paying attention to as business owners. We were curious as to how this related to us and our audience of female entrepreneurs, and so we connected with Joanne Holmes. Now, during this guest interview, Joanne removes the mystery around Web 3.0. And explains what it is, why it's important, and how we are all in the right place at the right time. I personally loved her advice on how to start thinking about this for the future success of our businesses and where we can go to learn more. None of this is legal or financial advice, and we encourage you to seek the advice of an expert anytime that you're going to um, go into any kind of financial arrangement or legal situation.
1: All right, we want to welcome everyone to today's episode. This is going to be so exciting because we're going to introduce some new things or things you've heard about in a new way. And we have a very special guest today. We have attorney Joanne Holmes, who practices in areas of intellectual property licensing and digital assets law, including NFTs, DAOs, the metaverse, cryptocurrencies, and blockchain tech. She helps innovative brands and content creators develop smart web three strategy, monetize IP or intellectual property and negotiate successful deals. In her over 20 year career, Joe has closed profitable contracts with respected brands like Disney, Microsoft and the NFL. She oversees intellectual property portfolios spanning 125 countries and more and she has managed intangible assets generating over 2 billion in annual revenue. So clients have remarked, "Joe is top-notch professional who brings a wealth of experience and she knows business." And that's why we have her here. So Joe's work includes one-time consultations with IP and digital asset clients to establish a sound legal foundation. She also provides recurring advisory services for evolving projects, and she acts as outside general counsel for select IP and Web3-focused companies. So I'm super excited to welcome you, Joe, to the show, and we can't wait to hear what you have to tell us today.
2: Thank you both so much for having me. It is really an honor and privilege to be here and speak to other female entrepreneurs and I'm so grateful for the way that you both demystify this process because we are all learning as we go. So I appreciate the work that you're doing for the community of women who you serve.
0: Now, Joanne, we already had a really great conversation the last time we spoke, and you did an excellent job of explaining all these really wild terms that are being thrown around, you know, when we hear cryptocurrency and NFTs and blockchains and I think as women, especially the seasoned entrepreneurs that we work with, we typically work with women over 40, we're over 40, you hear those terms, you think, oh, it's got to be a millennial thing, right? Like we don't need to pay any attention to any of that, but it really does relate to us right here, right now. So can you give our listeners an overview kind of what these terms mean and why it's important for us to understand them and get kind of that baseline knowledge about them? Sure, I'm happy to do that. It's exciting to get to speak to you both about uh, what Web3
2: means. And so uh, let's break that down a little bit. Web3 is broken out into five tent poles. You have um, the baseline of what is used for financial transactions, which is cryptocurrency. It's the monetary unit in Web3. And then you have a concept called decentralized finance or DeFi. And that is very much a corollary to what we have in traditional finance. And so you have things like products for loans and collateralization. You can earn yield similar to a CD or a money market account. Um, So that's the second tentpole, DeFi. The third is NFTs or non-fungible tokens. And effectively what those are, are deeds of ownership for unique and scarce assets. Oftentimes they're presented in. relation to digital art or sports memorabilia or collectibles. But in the future, we will see NFTs serve as the deed to our house or car. Next, the fourth tent pole is decentralized autonomous organizations or DAOs. And what those are is the Web3 version of a traditional corporation or LLC, where you can spin up teams on a global basis to participate in things like investing or offering products and services or for charitable purposes. So DAOs are a way for like-minded people all over the world to come together behind a common purpose and with a bank account. Uh, And then the fifth and final tentpole is the metaverse, which is a way that people interact with one another virtually, again, on a global basis, to create shared experiences that happen online. And so a Web 2 version of the metaverse might be your kids or grandkids playing Roblox or Minecraft. And a Web 3 version would be taking the skins, for example, the weapons, the clothing, the shoe wear, from those games and making them into NFTs so that rather than just being able to be used in that game, they can be digital assets that have value and even be investments that you can use um, across platforms. So again, the five tent poles of what we mean when we say Web3 are going to be cryptocurrency, decentralized finance, non-fungible tokens, DAOs, and the metaverse. I'm gonna step back for a moment and uh, ask you, do you have any questions around those baseline concepts of what we mean when we say Web3?
1: I would like you to tell us what Web1 and Web2 were so that we can kind of see, because I think that that'll help. Because I think, I think it's important for everyone to know that Web3 is coming regardless of whether you decide to join it or not. And if you don't decide to, there's probably some downside to that. And that's kind of why we wanted to have you come on here is to explain to our audience that it's not just for millennials, right? It's for all of us.
2: It absolutely is. And I think you make an outstanding point. Women have meaningful contributions to make in every space. And that is one of the reasons why I have dedicated my practice to serving as an advisor to clients in this space. So to answer the question that you posed, let me step back and give some context for the evolution from Web 1 to Web 2 to Web 3. And I will borrow some from uh, some terms that were made famous by Chris Dixon in Silicon Valley at Andreessen Horowitz. So Web 1 was... For most of us, our introduction to the internet, it was a digital magazine format, for example, Um, it was reading alone. So you might have taken a newspaper that you were accustomed to reading physically in your hands and that was digitized and put online so that people could read that same information without having the physical newspaper, but there wasn't really a way to interact with that information or the community of others who were reading that information. So that was web one. Web 2 was very much catalyzed by mobile devices like the iPhone, and it created a means for us as a global community to interact with each other around content. And what that meant was that there were certain centralized aggregator companies who owned our data and served as marketplaces. And unless you were a shareholder, you probably didn't participate in much of that wealth, but it created... um, a town square, if you will, for us to all come together digitally. And so what did that look like? That looked like Facebook, that looked like Google aggregating our data, that looked like Amazon serving as a marketplace for us to come together to offer products for sale and for people to buy those products. Facebook and Instagram, um, also being communities where we collaborated with one another, shared stories, which is what we've done throughout history as humans. But again, the issue with Web 2 was we had the read from Web 1 and we had write because you and I could participate in offering our thoughts or products or services on the internet. Web 3 is the turn where we go from read and write to also own. And so what does that look like? That looks like people who are building communities, be that creators, um, celebrities, influencers, athletes, innovators, being able to build communities and have those communities participate in a more meaningful way around what value they want to receive. Now, some of the concepts in this space get a little complex and they evolve because The law is always going to move much more slowly than innovation. And so right now, as we're recording in spring of 2022, the U.S. federal government has a whole of government approach at looking at digital assets and thinking from a regulatory perspective, how do we need to update our laws and regulations to be able to serve this new and innovative space? And at the same time, litigation is happening where those gray areas of law are being challenged so that. Courts are having their say and juries are having their say around how all of this should move. But the promise of this space is that in the United States and abroad, people who were unbanked, who didn't have access to traditional financial systems, are going to have a chance to jump in using cryptocurrencies and be able to offer products and services and be paid. So a great example is if you're an excellent artist outside of the United States in the developing world. If you have internet access, you don't have to go through Christie's or Sotheby's to be able to make your art available. You don't have to have a bank account to be able to be paid for that. You can use peer-to-peer digital wallets to be paid, or you can use online marketplaces all over the world that charge much lower fees than traditional middlemen, like again, a Christie's or a Sotheby's might've charged. Also, the frank reality is that for many women and for people of color, for people in the developing world, the systems through which financial resources were made and through which wealth were built we're not designed for a lot of those marginalized communities to participate. And so what at Web3 is creating, and frankly, the reason why I'm involved in this space, is because it's creating uh, new paradigms where the middlemen are taken out and where value is able to be owned by the people who are innovating and creating. Again, be that celebrities, influencers, product designers, brands, communities like DAOs, who are creating value and offering that on a global basis and being paid directly for the service that they provide. And so one of the things that I look forward to talking to you about is how women in marketing or finance or law or so many different industries can jump in and participate in this new space.
0: I love that, Joanne. Um, You know, I'm uh, especially interested in the financial aspect of things, you know, not only from the perspective of uh, being in business and for our listeners who are entrepreneurs, but, you know, there's a whole nother element to this. And that is in the investment side of it, because if we, you know, we are all here to be successful entrepreneurs, that's kind of our mantra, it's what we do, and why we're here. And we're teaching other women how to be successful in their business. Well, part of that is, you know, there's always money involved. Right. Money is really we, we like to talk about money as the result of the work that you do and the impact that you make. It's not the the goal. It's the result of hitting all those other important goals. And once we get to a certain level in our business, you know, we always want to expand and impact more people. And we can do that through wealth that we generate. And so that wealth can be reinvested into our business to help others, but it can also be and should be invested for us personally, because then that elevates us to the point where we can help, you know, outside of the business. So then it becomes a bigger, you know, bigger than you situation. And I'm really excited to hear about these new possibilities and for the fact that, We're going to be bringing, we already have this huge marketplace of people and, you know, people getting online and, and, you know, getting used to working in that space. Now we're going to expand that even more for people who didn't have that opportunity in the past absolutely
2: and i love the way that you are thinking through that that compensation is a result of providing value in a market and i wish that in the world that we live in it were actually that simple there's a lot of strategy as you both know that goes into thinking about how you get compensated for your value especially for women and so thinking through the finances of what's attractive for web3 In conversations that I've had with my uh, family members and friends, what has really been um, something that has caused them to pay attention that maybe didn't in other cases is how does decentralized finance help to create opportunities for wealth creation that maybe traditional financial systems did not? So I spoke a little bit before about the unbanked, right? And, And we look at things from an American lens because we are blessed with the privileges of being Americans. And so we have access to banking systems and um, resources that people in much of the world don't have. And frankly, that the poor and working class people in the United States may not have access to, and even worse, they may be exploited. And so one of the things that I have found people to be interested in are simple things like yield. Um, Again, as we're speaking in the spring of 2022, Uh, Interest rates have recently started to rise, and so there's going to be some opportunity to learn a little bit more of a yield on, say, a CD or a money market or a savings account. But whereas over the course of quite a bit of time now, the reality has been that folks have earned a fraction of 1% on the cash that they might have had in their bank accounts, there have been varying yields that can be more attractive in web three. Um, most recently ranging from 6 to 20% or more. And why is that? That is because web three is a new industry. And so anytime innovation and in technology is occurring, there are going to be people who stay on the sidelines. If we think back to the internet in the early 2000s, people had a lot of trepidation. Oh my gosh, would you put your bank information on the internet? And there are scammers and they're going to come and take advantage of you. And there's no way that I would speak to your audience today and say that there are not bad actors, people who are looking to defraud communities or do what's called in Web3, um, a rug pull where they represent themselves to be one thing and, and then that doesn't materialize. All of that is true. And that is why I would always encourage everyone to find sound resources and check and double check before you make investments in this space. But for those who are willing to take some component of their assets and take a little bit more risk, there are opportunities, again, for substantially more yield. There's a concept in Web3 called stablecoins, and they tend to be pegged to the U.S. dollar or the euro or the yen. And they are the baseline of um Non volatile cryptocurrencies. Again, if you think of how a dollar is used in our daily lives, it is the way that we're paid, it is the way that we buy products and services. Stable coins are designed to serve that same function in the digital asset world because, again, they're pegged to a dollar or euro or yen or some other currency. And so, uh, because this whole industry is still very early, you are able to earn that higher yield because. The industry is early, so just like if you bought Amazon in its earliest days, you would have dealt with a lot of ups and downs, but over the course of time, you would have been rewarded for the risk that you take. And so I would ask people as they are thinking about whether it makes sense for them to invest, Certainly, there are companies in the traditional stock market that are going to be focused on providing products and services to the web 3 and digital asset market space. There are going to be opportunities to directly buy cryptocurrencies. There are going to be opportunities to earn yield on things like stable coins or other crypto assets. Um, there are ways that you can put up collateral just like you would if you were going to try to get a loan in the traditional finance world. What I would say is, again, start with reputable resources. So to give an example, there's a great YouTube channel called Whiteboard Crypto. And I have used it many times With there's a new concept and I don't understand how something works. I'm a visual thinker and learner. And so I found that to be a great resource for me to go to and just have someone draw out the concepts. And help me understand them, and then I'll say, okay, I've got a baseline on that. Let me go check another resource. Let me listen to a podcast, or let me watch a new video. Let me read an article so that I can get a baseline in understanding. And you're not going to get it all right away, so I would ask people to be patient with yourselves. But if you are, for example, a CPA or a financial advisor, or um, you're a financial professional in a corporation, businesses are starting to put crypto assets as a component of their treasury. Certainly, if you are a CPA, we're just past tax season. Um, If you are a CPA who understands crypto assets, you are in very high demand and you will continue to be, I imagine. Um, If you're a financial advisor, your clients are going to start to think and not just your millennial clients, your clients across different generations are going to be talking to their peer groups about digital assets. And so they're going to be looking to you for guidance to understand what those investment opportunities look like. And by no means is that limited to the financial industry. If you're in marketing, if you are, certainly if you are an attorney like me, if you are a professional service provider, there is a space for you in Web3 because the industry is still so early and it's very much in a building phase. And so there are great opportunities for you to bring your skill set, learn this industry and have great value that is, I believe, going to have longevity for your career. That's great. And that brings
1: me to a question that I wanted to ask. So when we're talking about service providers, and we're talking about intellectual property, and we're talking about DAOs, decentralized, what is a decentralized autonomous organization? Autonomous
2: organizations.
1: Uh Uh-huh. So if we look at what Dieter and I are doing here, so we have Encore Empire, it's all virtual, it's online, we have a community, we teach women how to uh, excel and optimize their online business. Is that a DAO?
2: The the concept of a DAO is evolving. And I think that anybody should be prepared for the reality that all of these concepts are going to evolve. If we think back again to the early 2000s when, you know, for me, I was just happy I could read the news um, (laughs) online, right? Whenever I was interested in logging on to do that, uh, we couldn't have imagined Airbnb or Lyft or... I almost never go to the grocery store anymore, ladies. Like I'm very happy to have Instacart deliver my groceries. Those are not concepts that I thought would be a regular part of my life because I couldn't have imagined all the ways that innovators and creators would evolve the technology for new use cases. So DAO started out in its earliest phases using something called smart contracts. And, and what that really is, it's not a contract the way that attorneys like myself would consider it. It's really code. And if you think of a vending machine, that's a good example of a smart contract. So with a vending machine, you put in money or you tap your credit card and you click a, a letter or a number to correlate with uh, some some snack or beverage that you want. And the machine recognizes, okay, Deirdre did the thing that she was supposed to do by paying and she chose the thing she wanted. And so now I'm automatically going to give her the thing that she's chosen. That is the real world version of a smart contract. Computer code took your input and then gave you the requested output. What's happening now in Web3 is those if then codes are causing things to happen. Let's say, for example, that um, you want to buy an NFT. Well, you create in your digital wallet, you open it up and create evidence that you have um, the cryptocurrency to pay for an NFT. And then the blockchain nodes are going to verify that you have that money in your wallet. And then they're going to release the NFT to you as the buyer. No person has to be involved. Computers on the blockchain and blockchain is just, open source software and computer nodes around the world that are confirming that transactions are accurately occurring, right? So it's taking, again, middle people out. So if we take that concept and apply it to a DAO, the decentralized and autonomous components of that are that there's no middle person. And autonomous is that sort of smart contract saying, this is what should happen. The evolution of a DAO is is moving more towards memberships participating in governing organizations. So we have probably many of us, um, including your audience, have have worked in corporations where there's a hierarchical structure, there's a CEO and a C-suite, and they make decisions that cascade down to managers and workers in the organization. And again, that's a very hierarchical structure. DAOs are being created to be much more egalitarian and member-managed. And so what does that look like? That looks like a group of people coming together around a concept and saying, let's hear from one another. Let's make decisions together. Let's build value together. And let's all participate in the value that we created. So for you, if you're trying to create a community of female entrepreneurs who have a great professional background and a brain trust of information about how to achieve objectives, then what you might create is a DAO different from um, a consulting organization or a more traditional hierarchical corporation or LLC. And your DAO might look like as few as 20 women who have a great professional background coming together and saying, we want to be able to teach other women how to capitalize on their talent. And so you might create a way for you to share information with each other. And there are tools that exist and tools that are being built on and improved all the time for DAOs. But you might start with some of the fundamentals. And that might look like ways for you to communicate and share information with each other. That might even be on a Discord is the the new Slack, (laughs) the way that communities talk to one another. You might have systems for voting on things that you want to do. You might have ways that you can contribute cryptocurrency to what's called treasury, so that you've got assets amongst one another. And that treasury would be on a blockchain. Again, that's open source software so that everybody can see exactly how Every bit of that treasury is being used to be able to buy resources or hire contractors or enter agreements and that might have a cost associated with them. And then you will vote on things like how do you want the dow to proceed if, if there are charitable organizations that you want to support, all the sorts of things that hierarchical historical organizations would be driven by that C-suite, your membership can come together and make those decisions. And once we have a better, more clear regulatory landscape, you will be able to do things like issue tokens to your DAO members. And so as you grow and as you have success within your organization, those tokens will be assets that have value that will appreciate over time. So one of the unclear regulatory issues right now with both NFTs and tokens, oftentimes associated with DAOs, is if you make financial representations or you assign a monetary value to them, then the securities and exchange commissions might say, hmm, that's starting to look like shares of a corporation where you're making certain representations around the value and if you're going to do that, then you need to comply with the regulations, of the, the Securities and Exchange Commission for investment contracts. So as we speak right now, in the United States, there's a lot of regulatory uncertainty around um, exactly what DAOs can do in terms of shared value. Um, a lot of companies are doing a dual hybrid. So you already have your formal organization set up that's a traditional LLC or corporation, but you might have a DAO arm where you maybe take 5% of um, your revenue from the organization and you say, for our truest supporters, for those who really believe in female entrepreneurship and what it can achieve, we're going to put 5% of our revenue into a DAO. And our community will maybe buy an NFT collection that we issue that's got great artwork, right? And your NFT is going to be your authentication tool into our DAO. And if you're a member of our DAO, you're going to get to vote on how we support other women in entrepreneurship. Do we want to create a seed grant system that we're going to give money to promising female entrepreneurs? Do we want to say that we're going to have Um, workshops once a quarter that are only for our DAO members. And maybe those are masterminds or strategy sessions where the most committed members of our communities will come together and support each other in workshops. Or are we going to have certain products or services that we offer that maybe the first opportunity to buy those is going to go to the members of our DAOs. So even for traditional companies, there are ways that you can start cultivating your truest fans within the organization of a DAO giving them meaningful opportunities to participate in what that DAO wants to achieve. And maybe down the line, when we have more regulatory clarity, maybe that DAO buys you out. Maybe that DAO grows. Maybe that DAO is your buyer for what you have built as a traditional company. Those are that latter part we don't know yet because of the regulatory uncertainty, but there are so many opportunities around what it means to be community and to give value to that community in terms of a web-free space. I really, I was a cultural anthropology major as an undergrad who became an IP and digital assets attorney. And so I really do look at things through the, 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 the lens of culture. And I really see this space as the intersection of um, culture, community, and curation, right? In an in internet age, we have so much information coming at us. We need trusted people to help us curate that. For me, I'm helping my clients curate the law that's changing and complex to be able to support their organization's business objectives. For you, you're helping women with great expertise be able to curate their skill set into an offering where they can earn value from it. So those components of culture, again, around the ethos that women have value and they should be paid at their value, um, that you have community who believes that with you. And you curating how to bring together those resources, all of that is a reflection of web three.
0: So this is super exciting, Joanne. Like my brain starts like blowing up like with like all the possibilities. And I, I have to say one thing, I'm like, I I'm really happy that even though I'm a CPA, I do not get involved in taxation anymore <laughs> and in, in a, any of that world. And I'm super happy because I can just see that that's going to be a bit of a nightmare that's coming along for <laughs> all those who are in it. But what I do think as a CPA is like, if I were still practicing as the traditional CPA, I can see how important it is. And this is a you know a great place to knit, to create a niche and to create a specialty. In fact, I still have to go through um, ongoing CPE to keep my license current. And these classes are popping up a lot now. I see them all the time. You know, understanding cryptocurrency and you know what your clients are going to need to know. So, I would encourage anybody in that in the service business wants to create that specialty and that niche, which we always encourage everybody to do, because that is where you can really. You know, hone your marketing message, you can be speaking to your ideal clients, and you can also create systems inside your business and then bring on helpers and team members. Because when it's really clear what you're doing and who you're helping, then your ideal clients are clear, your referral partners are clear, and the people who work with you are really clear. So when everybody's clear like that, it makes for growth to happen a whole lot faster. So I, I see amazing opportunities. And one question that comes to mind, Jillian, is given all of this, you know, not, not sure, not knowing, you know, things are going to evolve. Can you give us like some things we could do right now? Like what are the things that we could start to do right now to kind of prepare and kind of get ourselves into that space and be ready to take on those opportunities that they as they present themselves?
2: Absolutely. And I will even step back to women who maybe are still in a corporate space and are thinking about moving into entrepreneurship. Corporations need to have a Web3 strategy. I mean, you you are seeing it. Um, it was evidenced last year by Mark Zuckerberg renaming Facebook to Meta. Um, people have very diverse uh, perspectives around um, his tactics and his goals. But if, if you think about Jack Dorsey having resigned from Twitter and focusing his time around his company Block, which was previously called Square, if you look at the strategies that Google or Microsoft are taking, our premier technology companies are all looking at Web3 and having a strategy. JP Morgan, Jamie Dimon famously spoke very poorly around cryptocurrency and digital assets. And now JP Morgan exists in the metaverse. As I speak to you, they have a metaverse presence. Disney has already offered NFTs for its key properties like the Marvel properties, Mickey Mouse, and so forth. So if you look at the most established corporations across entertainment, finance, technology, they are all recognizing it is not acceptable to not have a strategy for being in this space. It's almost like going back to the late 90s and saying, I don't think the internet is going to be important. It's an impact in every facet of business. And so if you are in a corporate setting and you even understand the words, (laughs) you know, that's one of the reasons why I start out with talking about the tent poles of what are the main concepts? What are we talking about when we say Web3? Because you can be that person. And this is one of the reasons I love this space is because so often women are marginalized or we have to prove our value, or we have to go the extra mile in a corporate setting for our ideas to be recognized. What we have here with this new innovation is a more equal playing field because we're in the earliest stages. So if you take the time to get a baseline understanding of digital assets and how it impacts your industry, then you can be the expert in your organization and you can choose to either leverage that for your objectives within your company, or you can choose to take that knowledge and exploit it in your industry as was just spoken to as a niche, an area of expertise and a specialization. I've certainly done that with my own career. Um, There are very few attorneys uh, and certainly very few women of color attorneys who have the level of experience and knowledge that I have from talking to a myriad of different projects around this space. And so there are communities that you can join. There are innovators in your field who you can follow. One thing you can do is go to LinkedIn, type in marketing and Web3, type in marketing and NFTs, type in marketing and DAOs, and just see whose profiles come up follow their posts, look at how they've moved in their careers. There have been a lot of people in very successful legacy careers who over the past year or two have moved into Web3 because they're seeing the promise. And again, as we're speaking in the spring of 2022, financial markets are uh, having quite a bit of volatility. And so some of the people who were getting in for speculative purposes and to make a quick dollar are being shaken out of this space. And those who really have a long-term commitment and see the value of the technology and the innovation and the creativity are standing their ground. (laughs) I'm one of them. And so if you follow the careers of people who are staying in this space, again, try those keywords, try metaverse, try DAOs, try NFTs, try DeFi, try crypto with your industry, be it marketing or finance or law or Um, whatever it is that you know your wheelhouse and and depth of experience is in. And it doesn't cost anything to do that. Do those same things as Google searches. Set up a free Google alert to see what's happening in your industry. If you are in marketing and advertising, an Ad Age has a page that is regularly updated where they're showing what brands are doing in the web free space. The other thing is, these communities tend to be very, very um, welcoming to those who are making a genuine interest in learning. And so I mentioned Discord. Um, There are lots of conversations in the web-free space happening amongst professionals and innovators on Discord. It's also happening on Twitter and it's happening on LinkedIn. So if you jump into these spaces, it's fine for you to listen. Until you have a baseline understanding, and then start building a strategy around what resonates with you, what sounds fun, what sounds interesting, and how does that innovate and overlap, excuse me, how does that overlap with uh, your skill set and what you love to do? And if you can find that intersection of where there's room for growth in a new industry and what you love to do together with what people are willing to pay for. Getting in at these earliest stages, I imagine, could be quite quite rewarding across a myriad of different uh, experiences, backgrounds, professional expertise. You're still early, um, and you should expect that there are going to be changes in volatility. So you've got to gauge your tolerance for risk. That might look like buying some Bitcoin. That might look like you not buying any crypto assets, but you starting a committee within your organization to talk about how your corporation could benefit from using digital assets and web 3 technology. That might be you just jumping into a Discord group or following someone on Twitter and starting a conversation. I have people reach out to me all the time to talk about interesting and innovative projects. And having spent over 20 years in intellectual property, I'm still surprised and delighted by all the creative ideas that are happening. So I really encourage women as someone who is staking my career on this space that you get informed from reputable resources and just give yourself a chance to think about what you'd like to contribute in this space. If your answer is no, then so be it. But if your answer is yes, I think there are really promising opportunities for your talent. This
1: has been so helpful. Thank you so much, Joe. And can you let people know, do you work with just large corporations? Do you work with solopreneurs? Who do you help and how do you help in the Web3 space?
2: So true to what I've been saying to you both, that has evolved. Um, I spent a good bit of time doing my homework as women tend to do so that we can build up the confidence that we know what we're talking about before we start to offer any services. And so over the course of time, what that has looked like for me has evolved. In my traditional intellectual property practice, I work with established corporations in the range of 20 to $80 million in annual revenue. And I'm serving as their outside chief legal officer. But in Web3 and digital assets, so many companies are startups. They're seeing value that they can offer in the industry. They're seeing unmet needs. And They really need someone who has a breadth of experience who can speak to uh, securities and taxation and employment and contracts and fundraising and intellectual property and privacy. And so, what I have found is that for my clients in the Web3 space, sometimes I'm working with creators and brands. Sometimes I am working with data analysts. Sometimes I am working with established organizations from earlier internet phases who are looking to move into Web3. So what I'm doing is allowing myself some latitude to see where can I contribute value. Most often, I'm going to be working with organizations, professionals who have an established legacy in their industry Mm -hmm. and are transitioning into a Web3 space. But I am very open to having conversations with folks and I definitely always invite people to connect with me on LinkedIn so that I can follow your work and you can follow mine and we can figure out, am I the right person? So a lot of what I do in Web3 is not focused on drafting contracts or filing things with the trademark or copyright office. It's more of a legal architecture space. So I'm listening to what my clients want to build and I am helping them think through the different and complex and evolving aspects of law to help them prioritize what legal fires do we want to prevent before they happen and building those relationships that will help me be an ongoing legal partner as this industry evolves. So just like I advise my clients and my peers in Web3 to do, I think there needs to be some space for evolution. There needs to be some flexibility. Um, And so while uh, a lot of my clients in the space have been organizations and entrepreneurs building in the space, I think that everybody should be prepared to just figure out what's interesting to yourself and, and give yourself some grace to evolve as you learn more. I'm learning every day, ladies, like literally every day I'm learning more and having so much fun, which has been such a gift for me because I did not expect that at this phase of my career.
1: Yeah, that is awesome. Well, we're gonna put all of your contact info in the show notes here for everyone to reach out to you. And just for everyone's knowledge, we heard Joe on another podcast and reached out because she said reach out to me. So we're like, okay, we've got to have her on our show. And she <laughs> she actually responds. It's really her, so I can say, please do reach out to her. Um, do you yes, have anything? Absolutely. Else? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I would just say my website is Um, Again, on LinkedIn, I'm Joanne Holmes. Uh, On Twitter, my handle is holmesatlaw. But LinkedIn is the place that I'm most active. And I really would ask folks to connect with me there because it is so fun to get to follow projects. This is a community where people are so generous and sharing because we have to. Literally, you can't act in a silo. There's too much coming at us every day to not learn from each other. And so I welcome you to come into the space and participate. You have value. I want to specifically speak to the women who are having trepidation about trying something new and whether this space is for you. I literally do not care what age you are. What I care is that you hopefully have, have learned something from our conversation today. And I would ask you to be confident in your ability. You earned what you have at this stage in your career, and you have so much promise ahead of you. I believe in you, and I ask you to come and join me and consider how you might want to add value to this space.
0: Thank you so much, Joanne. You know, and this this goes right along with what Carmen and I believe so passionately is that you know we we have to support each other, and we and we learn from each other, especially as women who are you know working on the the best half of their life. Um, it's so you know we don't have time to waste right and so the more we can help each other and the and it's about having conversations that opens every door that's the single most important thing is just have conversations and you know, talk to somebody that you've never talked to before. Talk about, you know, this This is a perfect topic. Talk about a great intro if you're going to go to a speed networking event or, you know, you want to reach out to somebody. This is an excellent topic for you to, you know, say, hey, have you heard about this? You know, it's fantastic. So thank you so much for sharing all this wonderful information with us and we appreciate you so much.
2: It was my pleasure to be with you. Thank you for the excellent work you're doing, lifting up communities of bright, capable women. We need
0: that from one another. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Encore Entrepreneur. Can you do us a favor? It will help us if you would subscribe to the show, leave a review and share it with your friends.
1: Our goal with this podcast is to bring you the real talk about how to be successful without compromising your values. And we need your help to spread the word.